The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's time to go inside the front office of the athletics with the general manager of the A's, David Forst. Here now is the David Forst Show with Chris Townsend. It's now time for the David Force Show here on A's Cast, as we'll be doing this every single week. This is where you're going to get the Athletics GM. And I have to say, uh, starting out here, you got to be happy taking two out of three from the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, no, we needed a couple wins, and uh, it doesn't get more exciting than what Mike did on Tuesday night. Um, you know, I was here for Sean's no-hitter last year. I actually I missed Dallas's perfect game. My son was... I think six days old. So I sat home on the couch and watched that one with him. But it's always fun to be in the park when history is made like that. And um, and for Mike to, to give us a performance, not only to get us a win, give the bullpen some rest and, and treat everybody to a historic night was great. And when you start saying 131 pitches, you know, we don't see that anymore in baseball. And the fact that, you know, Bob was agonizing over it. He said it was uh, it was miserable for him. But is it a lot easier to let an older guy go? Yeah, without a doubt. And um, no, I thought Bob handled it great. Um, you know, I think Lou was up in the seventh inning when uh, they got the leadoff walk before the double play. He had Lou up again in the eighth just in case. And, and like you said, with a, a veteran pitcher, uh, it's easier to to sort of stomach those pitch counts. And, and then you also know you can protect a guy like that on the back end and give him some extra days, which hopefully we'll be able to do for Mike. But, um, no, I, I was I was right there with Bob, sort of agonizing, but also wanting him to go out there and, and try and finish the thing off. And what does that mean for him as a pitcher who obviously has struggled to start the year? He's had a couple good starts, but he said to his teammates, this is not me, I'm going to get better. And then he goes out after he says that to his teammates and throws a no-hitter. What does that mean for him and the rest of the staff? That, that's impressive that he was able to kind of back up his words. But, yeah, I mean, Mike has been uh, a little bit up and down since we traded for him. I mean, he had some great starts last year and then struggled right towards the end. Uh, obviously uh, was disappointed when he wasn't in the wild card game. And then I thought he came out and pitched well a couple times at home, that first homestand against the Angels and Red Sox. Uh, and then it struggled since. So I think he's one of those guys who just needs to, you know, get comfortable and uh, and be able to perform consistently. But it's look the starting rotation as a whole. Brett's pitched well. Frankie's done a nice job. Chris Bassett has pitched great with zero run support to show for it, unfortunately. So um, you know what we have talked about and what we thought coming into the year with the pitching staff you know, has not really happened. Those guys have been consistently keeping us in games. You know, I really like Chris Bassett as a person, getting to know him and, and talking to him at spring training. You know, when you go under the knife, you never know. And obviously it wasn't a seamless rehab for him. And he said it was finally this off season where he really felt like himself once again, and he could throw the baseball the way he knows how. And he's tall. I call him like he's like a prey man. It's out there. He's tough to pick up. And when you're throwing 93, 94, and then you're backing that up with a 70 mile an hour curveball, the differential there in speed is amazing. It's just great to see him healthy again. And since he's come up, he's been a big performer for you. Yeah, I mean, you look at his numbers and, and the things that we we look at that hopefully you know sort of project good performance, the, the strikeout to walk numbers, the hits per innings, he's he's done all that. Like I said, his win-loss record isn't there, but that's through no fault of his own. Um, but yeah, with Chris, like you said, 
he didn't have a seamless rehab and and very few guys do i mean i think there's some anecdotal thought out there that guys have tommy john and you know 12 13 months later they're back and throwing harder and that's just not the reality and um, particularly for a starting pitcher, it's it's a long slog for some of these guys. And Chris had some you know bumps to overcome. We pitched him out of the bullpen a little bit in AAA just to try and get him some innings. And I think if anybody has worked his butt off to get back here, it's Chris Bassett. And I'm I'm happy that he's kind of solidifying that spot in the rotation. Yeah, when you talk about wins and losses, you know, pitchers are taught growing up, and I remember growing up, it was all about the win. That's all you cared about. What is my record? And slowly but surely over time, that has really changed because we know if you only go five or six innings, then you throw it to the bullpen. You never know what's going to happen. How much does change looking at wins, losses, ERA versus the metrics that you have? How much does that change how you look at a pitcher? It's changed a lot over the past, I'd say, 10 or 15 years. And I think the, you know, the casual fan is, is starting to realize that th- those aren't the numbers you use to evaluate guys. And you don't look look at Chris's start yesterday. Uh, he basically made two bad pitches. Dietrich hits the homer early. Suarez hits a homer. Um, but he punched out nine guys, didn't walk anybody, gets into the eighth inning to help the bullpen out. I mean, he did basically everything you ask a starting pitcher to do yesterday and we scored zero runs there's nothing he can do about that Um, by definition he threw up a quality start so when we're looking at how guys are performing and and again projecting what they're going to do over the course of the season the things he did yesterday going deep getting swings and misses those are the things that matter yeah, it doesn't matter what numbers you have. There's still only one number that matters is how many runs you score versus how many runs the other guy scores, and that's how you determine who wins and loses. You know, thinking about uh, Chris Davis, you know, he, he he actually played a pretty good left field in Pittsburgh, but unfortunately on that ball, uh, the first play of the game, he hits the wall and hurts his hip. Uh, where are we with Chris Davis, and how's he doing? Yeah, it's been, it's been a frustrating week, I think, for Chris. Um, you know, we thought – Thought he'd be fine, frankly, coming in on Tuesday, and he was still a little stiff, and figured that's fine, we'll give him an extra day. Um, and then he goes out Wednesday, takes PP, feels great, puts himself in the lineup, and after a couple of bats, just told Bob he just couldn't, you know, couldn't rotate, couldn't really get that push off that he wanted, and and now we want to make sure that he's 100% the next time he's in there. So he's not in the lineup tonight, Friday. Uh, we're hoping to get him back over the weekend, but. You know, Chris is a guy, a big feel guy, needs to, you know, know his body when he gets to the plate. So we're really day to day right now. And for him, obviously, and it's just human nature. You know, you sign a contract, we have the big to do for him, and he just, he hasn't hit a home run since. And, you know, it's just, people don't understand. I mean, we're dealing with human beings. It's like you just need Chris to get one out of the ballpark to get him going once again. Yeah, it reminds me of our conversation about jerks in the last couple of weeks where, come to a new team you try and do too much and you know we saw during fires is no hitter he provided all the pop that night with a double on the homer so it's it's in there and look we we've spent too much time uh watching chris davis put the ball in the seats to to uh, not think it's going to continue it's just a matter like you said get him some good at bats get him some hard contact um and and his homers come in bunches so i'm I'm confident he'll be back soon and how great is it to see jerks and profar swinging the bat and looking like the athlete we know he is yeah i mean like i said the two hits that night the diving catch he's basically made every play at second base this week he turned that big double play with marcus in the seventh of the no hitter so um it's in there and and it's just going to take you know day after day week after week of consistent performance for us to see the player that he can be 
And I want to give some praise, too, to Josh Fegley. You know, at 31 years old, really having a breakout year, he's healthy for the first time, getting to play. I mean, we didn't even know if he was going to make the team. And obviously injuries, the next thing you know, he's playing every day. He just had a game where he had eight RBIs. It's one of the best days in all of A's history. No catcher had ever had eight RBIs in the game. In Oakland, the best game ever was uh, Reggie Jackson in 68 against the Boston Red Sox. But just talk about your catcher and how he's had to handle the staff and he's held his own with the bat. Yeah, what you what you hope for in that situation is that a guy takes the opportunity and runs with it. So like you said, we had some injuries. Chris Herman goes down towards the end of spring training. Uh, and, you know, Josh was expected to either be the backup or platoon guy. This opportunity comes up and, and Hunley struggles out of the gate. And Josh is basically our everyday guy now. And he swung the bat great. Uh, a historic night in Pittsburgh uh, with the eight RBIs. But just generally having consistent at-bats. Um, he's always been able to throw. I mean, he's he's always been one of our best guys at, at cutting down the running game. Um, but getting to work with pitchers on a consistent basis and really catching fires is no hitter shows you what he's capable of back there. So it's it's been a nice boost to get some some constant production out of that spot. You know, we always talk with this team, and I don't know why because it's it's crazy that players change, things change. But the A's traditionally get off to slow starts. I, I don't know why that happens, and you don't want that. We talked about that at spring training, about getting out to a hot start and, and repeating the 97 wins, which you still can do. What is it? I mean, how frustrating is that? It's just this just, just been the norm for a really long time. Really long. I mean, to tell you how long, I remember when Keith Folk was here, his first year. I mean, we're going back, obviously, early 2000s and, and talking in, like, May or June to some of the other relievers about – you know, what's going on? We're better than this. And, and I remember being there when Chad Bradford said, don't worry, come July, this team heats up. It happens every year. And I wish I knew because it's not a lot of fun to sit through April and May every year when you your record isn't as good as you think it should be. Um, so, yeah, I don't have a great explanation. It's, it's a tough thing to count on every year, trust me, because, you know, as we get into June, all of a sudden the trade deadline is on you and you're wondering, like we were last year, like, are, are we in or out? And, and luckily last year we went on a nice little run late June, early July, and it was convincing enough that everybody knew we were in. But the slow start is frustrating. Uh, I don't have an answer. Bob, to my knowledge, doesn't have an answer. Um, but I think, you know, the weather will heat up here in Oakland and so will our bats. Yeah, a lot of my callers think they have the answers, but uh, unfortunately, it's just the way it is. And But that also always gives me comfort knowing that no matter – it's not the name on the back of the jersey. It's the name on the front of the jersey. And no matter what the start is, traditionally, we know this thing will turn around. That's comforting. It's interesting how that works. Yeah, like you said, I mean, the, it's, the fans stay the same. We stay the same. Some of the players change. But, uh, yeah, those trends are the same. So hopefully the fans know to stick with us, and, and, and they'll expect good things in June and July as well. Let's go over some of the injured guys because that's one thing. You have a lot of interesting names that are out there that you know that potentially – and I always try and caution people because we just don't know when guys will be ready. But you think there's going to be guys that the cavalry could be coming and help you out. Let's first start with Marco Estrada. Where are we with him and his back? Marco's feeling better finally. He had that procedure uh, you know, or a few weeks off now. But he is feeling better. He has not started playing catch, so it's hard to put a time frame on him. You know, we – 
we know some other guys, you know, the Jarrell Cottons, the Pucks, the Manias of the world. We sort of have a sense of that. Marco is is in this area where we got to wait for him to throw the ball to get a sense. So, but he is feeling better. He's doing a lot of strengthening, so that's positive. Okay, Jesus Lazardo was the big shocker in Japan when all of a sudden he was shut down, and we we're like, oh my God, we thought this kid potentially could make the rotation. Obviously, he's he's got a real special arm. Where are we with him? He's feeling good. Uh, he's been playing catch for a while now. We're, we're being as conservative as possible. Uh, Jesus is going to start facing hitters down in Arizona probably the last couple days of May, first couple days of June, somewhere in there. So he'll start throwing some simulated games in Phoenix at extended spring and uh, hopefully a few weeks after that be out pitching in minor league games. And we got the Tommy John guys, Cotton and Puck. Yeah. Which one is ahead of who and what do you think their schedules are? Cotton's ahead right now. He, uh, he had a surgery about 10 days before AJ um, and had a little shorter rest period. Uh, Jarrell threw his last game in Arizona today and should be headed out to Stockton sometime next week for, uh, for you know, a real minor league outing, a rehab assignment. Uh, what, what role he ends up playing this year is still up in the air. Obviously, having missed all of 2018, you have to sort of manage his innings. So we'll see... If he pitches three, four innings at a time, if we pitch him out of the pen or start him. Um, but the goal is to have him at a place where he can help us in some role in the second half. So we'll start him out probably three innings at a time and, and get him to Stockton to get him moving. And A.J. Puck? A.J. is uh, thrown to hitters now sort of you know, a couple weeks behind Jarrell. I think he's thrown twice now, simulated games down there. His velo has been great. He was 94-95 right out of the chute throwing to hitters, which – uh, it's a great sign. So, you know, he's two, three weeks behind where Jarrell is right now. Edwin Jackson is, oh, we get a little phone call here. You need to take the phone call? Edwin Jackson, uh, an opportunity. And I've been, ever since we've been talking about AAA, I've, I, I've kind of looked at the numbers, but I don't really care about the numbers because like if a guy gives up a lot of runs or like Seth Brown has 10 home runs I know that it's kind of skewed when you're in the desert and elevation but uh where are we with Edwin Jackson how close is he Edwin's made two starts down there a rough one the other night um you know I think we still we need him to go out and pitch every fifth day to to see where he's at when you miss spring training it's it's hard to say how long it's going to take you to kind of wind into form I mean there's a reason our guys are down there for seven weeks because there's a process. You build up your innings. When you kind of skip that step, you just never know how long it's going to take to, to kind of feel like you're ready. So, you know, he'll keep pitching every five days for, for Vegas, and, and we'll see when the need arises. Um, you know, the nice thing is guys like Daniel Mangdon and Paul Blackburn are pitching great. Um, you know, Daniel had maybe one slip up in Reno a couple weeks back, but otherwise he's been nails every time out. So uh, I could see Daniel getting the opportunity very soon. Um, and Blackburn's pitch well and consistently. So I think it's always nice to have some options. If you got Marco back, you feel good about your depth for, uh, for the time being. And then if you got a, a Manaya or a Puck back in the second half, uh, then you're talking about really having some good, good choices. I don't know if you've talked to these guys. I, I don't know what your opinion is on Keiko and Kimbrell. It's very rare that you have two guys like this who are still out there and haven't been signed. They got the draft compensation around their neck, which obviously is a big deal. We're now hearing that they're going to wait till after the draft, and then we will see them signed. Have you ever seen anything like this, and do you think it's smart for them to wait till after the draft? Yeah, it's hard to remember a, a situation quite like this with two guys who – 
going in, certainly Kimbrell was the top free agent reliever. So uh, you never would have imagined he'd be out there. I mean, Keuchel was in a group with some other guys. You knew Corbin was going to get a big deal and, and Jay Happ and some of those guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, look, they're, they know what, they, what they're looking for, what they want. Um, it's, it's unfortunate they're not out there playing, but uh, I, we'll see if the draft changes things for them. And let's end on this. You know, when you start talking about baseball at this time of the year, this is like Eric Kubota. This is like this is like Christmas Day is coming up for your staff, right? It's the draft, the amateur draft, and everybody cares so much about their draft picks. Just what is it like around here in the offices as you guys prepare for the June amateur draft? It, it takes up a lot of our conversation these days. I mean, we in the front office are trying to figure out, you know, who to go out and see and where Eric wants us, where we can be helpful. Uh, we've got a couple people, Haley Alvarez and Greg Ledford in the scouting department that are, you know, every day planning for the draft itself, prepping, getting scouts here, making sure we've got everything we need for that week. So uh, it it takes up a lot of time. It's you know, frankly, on a one and eight road trip, it's a nice distraction to have the draft to uh, to think about and talk about. But uh, it is important. It's critical to what we do. Uh, you know, we picked 29th this year as a result of having a great 2018, which is which is part of the gig. So it'll be a little tougher to uh, to sort of focus on number one. But um, but it's going to be fun. I, I think we'll start right after Memorial Day with the scouts in town and going through meetings. So we, we're all looking forward to it. Great stuff. Good luck this weekend against the tribe. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Tony. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 